Welcome to Momentum Church. Amen. I'm telling you, there's no greater adventure than the life that you'll have spent ministering to kids. I'm, I'm looking at Barbara Graves right now, and she has spent a lifetime ministering to kids. It's been crazy, hasn't it? But so rewarding. And child after child has become people, I'm just going to say it, like Adelie. Pastor Adelie was one of her kids. <laughs> How many years ago? 15 years ago. 14 years ago. And so your investment in kids is powerful. Amen? Amen. Give God some praise. I love it. I think it's awesome. Amen. Well, today is Labor Day. So what we're going to do is I'm going to sit and you're going to stand for the service. That will be good, huh? <laughs> now, how many enjoyed the Adventurous series? Yeah, I have. I really have. I, I've enjoyed not just the series, but I've enjoyed hearing what God's been doing in different people's lives, not just because of the series, but, but through the series. Now, today we have a neat opportunity here in a few moments. We're going to bring some people up and just look at the adventure that God has had them on through the years and be inspired by their stories. See some of the truths that we have learned the last four weeks. Be able to see some of those truths really lived out in person. And, um, and just kind of leave here today enriched because of the family of God, amen, and what God has done in people's lives. As we get started, I want to remind each of you, you are uniquely created by God for the adventure that he has designed for you. I want you to open your Bibles over to Psalm. Let's get to Psalm 139. We're going to start with the reading of the word today, and we'll just all stay seated today as we read God's word. But as a church, I believe it's our job to help guide you on the adventure into more in life through Jesus. You'll never find more in life apart from Jesus. Amen? That's something you're going to hear in all these stories today. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus that made the difference in everything. And as, as the, 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 the one that God's called to lead this house, as your pastor, my, my prayer is as a guide that God would allow me to lead you from those lowlands of limiting beliefs and lesser views to the, the, the high peaks of experiencing the best that God has for your life. And so my hope is today as we do this, sparks will happen. Like something will stir in your heart that if God has taken these people through this, he'll take me through what I'm going through. Amen? If God's called these people and has equipped and provided God that stirring I'm feeling, I don't have to be afraid because he'll equip and provide for me as well. Let's open up to Psalm 139 and just look at a few verses as we start our day. It says this. It says, O oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. I know this is a decaffeinated Labor Day weekend crowd, but that ought to make you shout right there. I'm telling you, he lays his hand upon you. He goes before you, around you. Amen. He hems you in. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we read this word and we let it go over our heads. It's, it, it, when it says it, it's really what it means. It's awesome. It's so good. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. You're wondering why I'm freaking out up here a little bit? It says it is high. I'm high, that's why. I'm excited. God thinks this much of us and leads us on an adventure. Man, not just to bless us, but to bless people through us. Man, it's high. I cannot attain it. It's amazing what's going on. It goes on down in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. And there may be some in the room today or watching online 
that you doubt that. I don't know if the thoughts of God are precious toward me. My prayer is that before the end of this day comes, that you'll be able to sense that God has a call for you too. He has something for you to respond, an invitation to adventure that he has created for you. And you don't have to be afraid because you are precious, precious in his sight. Well, how vast is the sum of them, these thoughts that you have for me? If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. In other words, I feel like I'm dreaming. It's too good to be true. Let's pray and begin our morning. Jesus, visit with us. Inspire us. Your word teaches us in Revelations that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. God, you have shed your blood. You've brought power, victory, and might into our lives. And today we choose just to pull away for a little bit and to be able to declare the word of our testimony. And so, God, have your way with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just say it this way there is nothing like answering the call of life when it comes to that call to live life that is just raw faith, just to go after God on that real adventure. And I've been teaching you guys the last few weeks that every adventure you face has its setbacks. Every summit is going to have its challenges. It doesn't always come easy what God calls you to, whether that's because of your own doing, all right, because sometimes sin in our lives causes things to go a little more difficult, Amen. But sometimes it's not because of our doing, it's because of the doing of others. But you know, sometimes we go through hard things and hard experiences and hard challenges because God invites us to those things. Blame him. <laughs> you know, God's taking you through it. And so we'll have setbacks and challenges at times. And sometimes when you have to hang out um, in life, you're going through it and there's like a storm, there's a challenge, there's a, a difficulty. You kind of have to hang out at a waypoint for a little bit. You know what I mean? Just waypoints when you're on the trail are little points of interest, whether it's the waterfall that you want to experience to take a picture of, whether it's a place you can get water and so on, a campsite that's flat. Those are the waypoints. And sometimes you'll face a storm and you got to hang out at the weighing point until the storm blows over. And so what I want to do right now as we look at this, I want to invite Chip and Crystal Wadega. Would you welcome them to the stage? Come on, guys. Woo! And for the next few minutes, this is base camp, all right? So we're going to invite you to base camp. Anytime you're on an adventure and you're camping, you always sit around the fire at night and tell lies. But we're not. We're going to tell truths. Amen? Truths on Jesus. But you always sit around and you talk about what's happened in life. And so that's, this is base camp. And so during the times that you're kind of stuck at that waypoint, during those times, often you'll start to doubt the timing of the Lord, you know? You wonder what that looks like. And, and there comes a moment when, when God just says, move. He says, act. You know, and you go up the trail. Why? Because you're a person of faith and you're being invited into adventurous faith. And so I want Crystal and, and, and Chip just to kind of come up to us and talk us about, you know, to kind of like how they went through what they have went through and how you're going to see how God walks you through those seasons that seem maybe a little stalled and then how God takes you to the, the next thing he has for you. Go ahead, guys. Maybe. Hello. Oh, there I am. So when Ross asked us to talk, um, I think he thought that we might just talk about just the last couple of years, but we're going to go way back. Okay. So, and I'm going to read because otherwise I'll probably cry. So most people that know us probably believe our adventure into all God has for our family started about six and a half years ago, but I would say it really started over 11 years ago. We lived in Georgia when we met 20 years ago, almost. But when we got married, we chose to move to Florida and be near my parents, since I'm an only child, and make our life there. We love living near them, but we can remember driving down US-1 one afternoon, talking about retiring back to Georgia. And we kept talking about it, and Chip finally looked at me and said, why do we keep talking about retiring there? 
what is keeping us just from moving back there and living? Well, we both knew the answer to that question was being near my parents. But when you make a whole list of pros and the only con was leaving them, you start praying. That was the spring of 2010. As soon as we started praying and talking to my parents about it, we knew it would be too much of a rush to try to move then. So we just kept hearing the word wait. So we did. And throughout the next year, we started the process of applying to counties and schools up here, visiting, interviews, etc. And it wasn't all PG, PG to say the least. My dad was extremely unhappy, well mom was too, which as a people pleaser at the time was really difficult for me. But we kept pressing forward because we knew that we were doing the right thing. We actually wound up living with my parents for the seven months before we moved up here. And ties that had been strained and broken with them were being healed during that time. There are so many other details about our move um, that got, had God's hand all over it, but we want to get to the part that Ross wants us to talk about. So we moved up here in the summer of 2011, sort of with jobs, a house to rent, and we just kept stepping out in faith. And if you want to know all the details of it, just ask. I'll be happy to tell you. We're a detail people. So I will say, though, that the first time my dad visited Woodstock, he was so impressed and loved it, too, which just solidified that we had done the right thing. Uh, fast forward about a few years, and Crystal and I are teaching at two separate schools in Cherokee County. Uh, after several attempts to find our way to the same school and doors being closed in both places, an opportunity came for, uh, up for us to teach at another school uh, in, a, in another county. Uh, what looked like an opportunity for greener pastures became years of setback and trials that questioned whether we were truly where God wanted us to be. Uh, it was in no certain terms the hardest time we've ever experienced teaching, uh, but we had, uh, we've never experienced growth like that either, both as teachers and as people. There isn't one thing that you can point to it was what was causing it. It was more like a thousand tiny cuts that kept being reopened. Uh, we prayed and prayed for God to show us a way out, but every time he said, no, you are where you need to be. Um, after five years, we had accepted our roles that we were where we were supposed to be for the time being. Um, over the course of those five years of crying and trials, um, one of the things that came out of it was the amount of women who came into my life, who I'm so thankful for. Um, women from school, from church, my neighbors, Christians, non-Christians. They all had a role of pouring into my life as a teacher, um, a friend, and a woman of God. During that time, I also went on two mission trips in 2017 and 18. Um, while I was teaching at that school, um, and there was a lot that was spoken over me and into me, and I had never experienced anything like that and honestly didn't know what to do with 99% of it. I spent a lot of time questioning friends about it all, bless them for being so patient, but finally felt like there was only one place I was going to really find the answers I was searching for, and that was on my knees and in the Word. One of the things that I got out of the first trip loud and clear is that I don't have to live the typical American teacher life. You know, the work for 30 years, draw my pension, retire to the mountains. Um, I was watching the people in, in Haiti and it was like, they have to work all the time and maybe God's calling me to do more. So it was during those years that I surrendered to his way completely. If he wanted me to move on to something new, I would move. If he wanted me to stay, I would stay. And I did stay. I stayed at that school for four years longer than I really wanted to because I wanted to be obedient to him. I wanted my classroom to be a safe place. I wanted it to be um, something that was different for teachers and for students. And I wanted his name to be glorified in what I was doing. But I felt so negative during that time, and I had no idea how he was going to get any glory out of what I was doing. Well, because that's grace, right? <laughs> so fast forward to the winter of 2020. I prayed in the shower every morning begging God to give me something else to do. I was ready to stop teaching. I would do anything that he wanted me to do. I just didn't want to teach anymore. And right after we went back from Christmas break, I told my department chair at the time that thing, I said, I just don't want to teach anymore. And he, he looked at me and he goes, you can't give this up. This is your gift. I was like, what? I am done. I'm so tired. This is not the adventure I thought I would be walking through. It wasn't an adventure at all, I felt like. Literally two weeks later, on January 20th of 2020, I went to breakfast with Anna, who goes to church here. 
we had been at the restaurant for over an hour just talking about life and all the thing and all the things. And all of a sudden, she says to me, "So, would you be interested in coming to my school? It's a Christian school and teaching AP statistics." The girl that teaches it is getting married and moving away. And I immediately said yes. And then my eyes got super wide because I was like, what? I'm not getting out of public education, right? (laughs) And then I said, maybe no. And she goes, let's go with your first answer. (laughs) So we wrap up. I go home. I tell Chip. And he's like, I said, I got to get, she's going to give my name to the department chair. I'm going to submit my application. He's like, let's go for it. So off I go. Three interviews later, and on March 9th, 2020, everybody tracking with me, four days before the world shuts down, I mailed my signed contract to get out of public education for the first time in 20 years. He's probably going to have to finish reading. (laughs) Let's see if I can do it. This is what he had for me all along. And isn't his timing always right on time? The adventure of those five years of growing and being stretched and crying and wondering what in the world he was doing led me to my new school, a school where I get to pray over my students. Oh, and that's a whole other story, praying over people, speaking truth into their lives, speaking truth and praying over other teachers, keep growing, keep stretching, but in a place where I feel safe. I thought with her going to the new school, it was going to be a great move for both of us. Um, I was staying put, which I did, um, but I knew I could deal with teaching at her former school more easily if she wasn't there. Uh, it gave me an easy piece about work, even though I began to question whether I wanted to be an educator much longer. Um, a year later, God opened the door for me. Through a friend of a friend, I got an interview at a school back here in Cherokee County. I won't mention. Go Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> it was a whirlwind of quick interviews. But as I searched for red flag after red flag, I found none. Um, We're big open door, closed door people, and doors were just flinging wide open. Uh, I was accepted the job and excited to start my new adventure. The devil threw a curveball at me at this time. The previous county had had us sign contracts for the next school year in February, early February. Um, This was late April after the deadline for me to back out of my commitment. I would have to walk through a process in order to be let out of my contract that may or may not be approved. Uh, I may still have to stay and lose the opportunity to come back to the county. Uh, I trusted to God and left it to him. I would do whatever is needed and accepted whatever decision was made. Um, I got the news I got the news I got the news a week later. I would be allowed to get out of my contract, but it would cost me $1000 of my last pay. Um, I accepted that, and I started the process. We would, we would figure it out. Uh, the next two things that happened to me were a sign that God takes care of those that are faithful. The state superintendent came out, and he said he was giving all the teachers in Georgia a bonus for the year. Can you guess how much that was going to be? $1,000. We broke even on the move, but wait, it gets better. We recently switched our insurance carriers to allow us to have the same coverage, but for much less of a premium. Our old insurance company cut us a check for our leftover escrow. It was $1,600. When, when Crystal asked our mortgage broker how much we needed to make sure it was back in to cover our escrow, he came back with an amount of $600. That's right. God gave me my bonus. At double what I expected, as Brantley talked about in a recent uh, sermon. You know, so for us, it's just, again, it's... it's We've stepped out on faith so many times, and the times we haven't, the doors have shut like crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we live near a different school, and, and we've also both tried, thought that was where we were supposed to be, and that door has closed, and it's, a, and it's not a them. It's just God saying, no, that's not, that, I, I got something better for you. I got mm-hmm. something more you, for you, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's amazing walking through all that. Amen. Amen. And, you know, they were saying there's so much more to their story. And that's how it is. When people respond to faith, they respond to the voice of the Lord. There'll always be so much more to your story. You know, and and this is just that next step in learning and hearing the voice of God calling you. Okay, it's now time. Leave the waypoint. Go on to the next thing. I know it's been hard, but y'all didn't step out one moment sooner than you were supposed to. And, and you, didn't, you did the same in Florida years ago when you came here. And so you've, in a sense, trained yourself to listen and respond to the voice of the Lord. And that's powerful, you know. One other powerful thing is I'm looking at their paper over there, and I'm like, it would be like the teachers to have double-spaced MLS-looking 
format. Is there footnotes? No, I'm teasing. So <laughs> I didn't do good That's in school. That's all me. Say what? That's, That's all, all you? me. That's beautiful. I love it. So can you give these guys a hand? Amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. Yeah. So we can see every venture that you go through, the greater the summit, the more challenges you're going to face. They faced a lot of things through the year, but look what God has for them. Now, I want to invite another couple to the stage. Would Brian and Lisa Van Dyne come up? Give them an applause. Amen. Yeah. Often the climb is difficult when you're going on an adventure. It doesn't always come easy, but it's not anything that you've done or has been done to you. What it is, that climb sometimes in the adventures that God has for you, it's just the season that God is taking you through to get you to new heights. And this is a couple who, by no fault of their own, <laughs> you guys thrusted yourself into challenge. You thrusted yourself because God called you on an adventure. And I just want to be able to hear your story and honor what Jesus has done through your life today. So go ahead. Um, about 15 years ago, um, we had four kids. And we're sitting on like a Friday night having a family movie night. And the kids are laying on the floor. And I just had this like mom panic, who somebody's missing, somebody's not here. And being the good preschool teacher, I look and I count my kids. And I'm like, they're all here. I'm like, what does this mean? And God said, your family's not complete yet. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> and he was like, no, your family's not done. I said, what does that mean? And that was the end of the whole thing. And I was oh, like, was the ages of the kids or the oldest? The youngest, youngest? was three. Okay. And so I guess that made the oldest... 12, 11 or 12. Um, and so I just kind of kept that in my heart. I didn't tell anybody because I'm like, that's weird. Um, so I didn't tell anybody. I just kind of kept that in my mom heart. You know, what does that mean, God? What does that mean? And then a little while later, I was talking to my mom on the phone, and we're just having, you know, a conversation, and she just says, have you ever thought about being foster parents? And I was like, um, no, um, but I guess I will now. <laughs> and so, um, so then I just kind of started thinking about it, and then Brian came home from work, and I said, Brian? What do you think about being foster parents? And he goes, uh, who do we need to call? Like, there was no, you know, nothing. It was, who do we need to call? And so that was it. And so we made that call, and we started the process, and we, we kind of had all these grand and lofty notions of what that meant and what we were going to do and how we were going to save all these people and do all these things. But the first step was the foster parent classes. So we started taking those, and then um, we finished those and got certified. And um, they called us, and we said yes to our first placement. And that was when the very wild ride <laughs> began. And it was quite an adventure. And um, one day we were talking, well, we were foster parents nine years, yeah, almost nine, nine years. years. About halfway through, we just sat down, and we were talking. And I said, Brian, how do people do this without Jesus? Amen. How do they do it? Because... All we did was pray all the time. Yeah? Yeah, that's true. I've said that a lot, but that's, I can't imagine doing that adventure without him. I mean, we just, he was there every step of the way. And uh, I like to tell people that becoming a foster parent was probably one of the worst financial decisions I ever made, okay. but one of the best personal decisions. You know, we, it was a struggle. It always was. And because uh, what they, you know, the little bit that they give you just doesn't cover, you know. Mm -hmm. At one point, the budget changed every year, but at one point we were getting $50 for clothes twice a year. Wow. Try, you know, providing clothes for a child for 50 bucks, yeah. you know, but God always provides. And that's, that's the coolest thing. And uh, over and over he showed me, um, if I gave you the calling, I'm going to give you the provision. And it was constant through those nine years and 16 kids. It was always there. When it was kind of like what they shared, we would get the exact amount. Like, you, over over you, we need this much, and we would get exactly that much. And, um, and the verses you read this morning, it really hit me because um, we were talking about before you even say it. And at one point, we were, I was feeling very overwhelmed because now at this point, we've got six kids, and there's a lot, you know, I got middle schoolers, and, you know, just a whole life dynamic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, foster children and all that goes on with that. And 
I was feeling very overwhelmed and our caseworker was at our house and I was telling her just how overwhelmed I was and while we're having this conversation, um, one of us gets a phone call and it was the solution to the, you know, so it was, there, it was like I was doing all this stuff, but God knew what was going on. He saw that I was struggling and he saw and he provided right then the, um, the solution that was really best for all of us, the kids. And, and I was like, wow, wow. And um, over and over, you know, friends would call and say, do you need these clothes? Do you need this? And, you know, I got a, a call for a placement. I didn't have that particular kind of car seat. And my friend was like, oh, I'll get you one. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And so it was just like, he just kept saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Every placement, and they would call, you know, we'd say yes. We just kept saying yes and yes. And it was always, you know, yes, I trust you because um, even though, you know, we didn't get asked a lot of questions about these kids. It was just, here's what you need to do and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's God loves these kids mm -hmm. and he's looking out for them. And I have to put my trust in him that he cares and he's going to make sure everything's okay. And he did. And we saw over and over, we saw families reunited that it didn't look like that was a possibility. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we were praying, our support group was praying and we just, it was, it was hard. Mm -hmm. um, but... It was all, you know, definitely worth it. Yeah, it was worth it. It was, it was really difficult. Um, a lot of times people ask us, we do a lot of training for prospective house, I mean, uh, foster parents. We talk at a lot of, you know, of their training classes and stuff, and we lead some training classes ourselves. And uh, people always ask, you know, what did you have to sacrifice? And I always like to say everything, because we really did. We, we, we lost friendships. Mm -hmm. We lost... Uh, Family members even thought we were crazy for doing this. You already have four kids, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and, uh, you know, we even had to just really, we gave up everything, you know. But And our kids did too. Our kids had to sacrifice because now they're sharing rooms with kids that are, you know, they don't know. And there were multiple times where they would go to sleep at night. We'd have no kids in our home. And then they would wake up and there'd be one or two kids sitting at the breakfast table and they were like, oh, who's with us now? And uh, it was just, it was so awesome to see how resilient our kids were. And, and I'm telling you, our kids are much better people because we did it. I think that one of your sons is a really pretty good kid. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's all right. He's good. My daughter married his second oldest son, so that's, that's why I said that. That makes us cousins, right? We're that's cousins. Somebody told us. True story, we're all hanging out one day and Amy said, does that make us cousins? And we all lost it. And we have not let her live that down nope. since. But. So we're cousins. Yeah. And kind of it got to where through all of this, um, we ended up adopting two. And so now we're like, now we've got a lot going on. And God said, I think he said, your foster parent journey is over right now. And we were like, but no, our hearts, you know, we've been through this journey, we've been through this, like, but my heart is still for this. My heart is still for this. And so I'm trying to keep this adventure going. And he's like, just hold up, just hold up. You know, like what you said, we're at the stopping point now. Let's reassess, see what we've got going on. You got to, because now I've got high schoolers, middle schoolers, babies. I mean, I got, we got it all going on over there. And, um, and so he says, just wait. And I'm like, okay. He said, I know your heart hasn't changed, but just wait. And so we're just waiting and waiting. And we're starting to get a little frustrated because we're ready. You know, let's go on this adventure. We've seen your provision. We've seen your grace. We're ready to jump in. And then um, the opportunity came about for us to begin leading a foster parent ministry. Mm -hmm. um, and so that way we were able to take all of the experiences that we had and because when we first started, I tried to find books. And I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find any resources. I couldn't find anybody to ask questions to. I had a friend who had been a foster parent, and my parents had been. So I really didn't even know who to talk to. Um, so we were able, and at that point through the years, foster parenting became kind of a little more widespread. So now mm -hmm. there's a lot of resources, a lot of places, and you get a lot of really good places you can foster with. And um, so he... Um, said, okay, now I want you to tell what you've learned and what you've done, and I want you to help others with their struggles on their journey. And so we had been able to see the places where we knew we needed somebody to step in, so we were able to kind of step in um, and just kind of introduce this topic to a lot of people and really kind of come along beside them so they didn't feel, you know, lonely on their journey. 
I love, I, Brian and I were talking, I love what you had said when it came to adoption. No fault of some people, you know, when it comes to needing funds, adoptions aren't cheap. And so sometimes you'll see people go fund me or different ways of trying to raise support. Again, nothing wrong with that if that's how God's leading you. But just as we come to an end, I just love what you said. I mean, it choked me up. Um, just <laughs> share that. I hope I can say it, yeah. Because <laughs> um, it got me. Um, you know, we, were, we knew the adoption was coming up, and it was expensive, and, and we weren't sure how we were going to do it. And we were praying and asking our friends and pastors, and, you know, and there were a lot of great ideas. You know, do these fundraisers. I have a good friend that that's how they save for their adoption, and I have a friend that did this, and I have a friend that did that. And I was praying one night, and it's probably the most clear I've ever heard God's voice. <laughs> he said, you don't need to ask anyone but me. Come on. And then like a month later, we get this check that we would have never expected, and it was the exact. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Amen. I did all that just to be crying. <laughs> No, it's just so uh, true, you know? Yeah. And, um, and you can't, you can't outgive God-given, you know? And um, you not only have given financially in your lives, but you gave your life, you know? Lord, yeah. I will do this for you. And can we just give God praise for this amazing family, this amazing couple? Amen. <laughs> Love you guys. Love you guys. Oh, my gosh. Amen. Oh, my goodness. So good. So good. Um, and you may be hearing them, and God's stirring your heart, and you're saying, you know, Ross, I can't do foster care. I, I, I feel a stirring, but I can't. I want to make a difference. I can't do foster care. I want to make a difference. I, I can't do adoption, you know, but kids are on my heart. You know what you can do? Guess what you can do? You can serve students and children at Momentum Church. Amen. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm being honest. And again, I, I, I didn't realize I, until um, the, last night, I didn't realize that that video of Addie was playing today. And man, it just stirred my heart because to me, it just, it just speaks to all of this, you know? It's like they make a difference in kids' lives forever, you know? Barbara made a difference in Addie's life, you know? Addie's making a difference in children's life. That's how this adventure is. You, you pay it forward. And and man, I'm telling you, you know what? There's no better way to pay it forward, I don't believe, than in the lives of children. And so children and students, man, they need you here at this place. They really do. And so if God stirs your heart, talk to Pastor Adelie, okay? So as I've said through today, every adventure to a greater summit will have setbacks and challenges. And I want to invite our last testimony, our last friend to come up here. Philippe Bellin, would you come on up here? Philippe, good to have you. Come on over here. Nice and close. Love you, brother. All right, you too. All right, tell us, tell us, Philippe, some setbacks. I'm going to tell you this way, okay? Some setbacks we put ourselves in. Oh. <laughs> well, let me tell you. But I want to say this. Some setbacks we put ourselves in, but aren't you glad we don't get ourselves out? Amen? That's Philippe's story. Let's hear so, it. So, uh, yeah, Ross said, hey, you have seven minutes. Microphone. Oh, he said, uh, yeah, you have seven minutes. So I'm, I, being a detail person, did what they were doing, and this is what I came up with. I <laughs> and then shortened it, and I still came up with all this. So That's for the, that's for the future book. Yeah, actually, that's, uh, that's yeah, that's a, a, probably a thing. So uh, I, I don't, I, when I was driving up here with my friends, I was like, you know what, I don't know how I'm going to do this. You know, I've been going over this, and I... I timed it. I actually put a timer, and I was like, it's halfway through, and I'm just in the introduction. So um, I, I think um, just being succinct and saying, you know what, the depths that I, that I uh, fell to and God's glory through it all is what's important. So I want to start off with Romans 8.28. Um, for in this we know that all things work together for the good. For those who love God are called according to his purpose. That in every single one of our lives, no matter where we are, no matter how bad, no matter how deep, no, how much, no matter how much shame we feel, we're all weak and we all fall short. You know what? God's got a plan. He is never freaking out, ever. Mm -hmm. He knows exactly what's going on and he's going to work it for the good. So my story, uh, brief background, um, I didn't grow up in church, 
my family, we didn't go to church much, but I was miraculously saved about 18 years old. Um, the Holy Spirit led me to do things and change things within myself without knowing the Word of God, without being involved with, with the church or people. I changed. And then I came across a group and they discipled me. And as I read the Word of God for the first time, I realized everything I'm reading happened in my life. So God is real. Amen. God is real. And um, I could never refute that. And though my life after getting to know Christ has been a roller coaster ride of triumph and failure, um, and then extreme failure, he's always been there. I look back and he has never failed me as many times as I failed him. And he is, he's been more graceful than I can imagine. So I got married and I had a girl and a boy. And that was always my dream. I somehow knew that I always wanted a boy and a girl. And I had that. And um, that was a dream. Um, the first 10 years of my marriage um, was amazing. I had uh, been on, uh, you know, we, when we met, we both rededicated our life after a slump. And um, we really dug in. We were involved, and our, we raised our kids in the, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we didn't fight much because I was fighting and, and abiding in the Lord. Uh, but after that, um, it declined. It began to decline. I was married for uh, 24 years. And in the last, you know, decade, decade and a half, it began, it began slowly with sin um, creeping in. If you ever heard that song, The Slow Fade? Mm -hmm. And um, I look back, and, it, and that's exactly what it was. It was a slow fade. But it got worse. It got bad. It got bad. Um, sadly, though, those years were their years my, my kids remember. They don't remember when they were little and we did all the wonderful things. They remember the teenage years. Mm -hmm. And that was heartbreaking because it was my dream to, um, to raise kids and to be a good father. And, you know, I had my moments. Um, and the, the inverse is true as well. So to cut to the chase, um, you know, when things got really bad in the marriage, um, it was, you know, a lot of it was alcohol. Alcohol, I, I realized I was an alcoholic after, after a while. I couldn't drink. If I drank, you know, it would always get, we may start small and then it would get really bad and then I would quit for a time. You know, just repent and seek the Lord. And then anytime I started back up, it would eventually, uh, you know, come to a climax where it was bad. Um, then when my kids went off to college, you know, it, me and my, uh, my wife separated for more long term. We'd had some separations, but this was more long term. She lived over there, and I lived over here, and I was going to the bars uh, every night. And um, about a year of that, a year into that, I, I realized that there was a whole underworld in the bars of cocaine, and I got involved in it. And um, for about a year and a half, it got really, really it declined, it, it increased mm -hmm. to where I was really, really, uh, I was addicted to cocaine, and uh, nobody knew, nobody back on the other side of town, uh, the other side of town, you know. There was attempts to try and make the marriage work. Nobody in church knew. My wife didn't know. My kids didn't know. I had this whole secret thing going on. Um, and it got really bad to where I was literally blowing cartilage out of my nose. That's how much cocaine I was doing. Um, then um, we, uh, we tried to make one last go of it, me and my wife. We moved to Canton, and that's when we first came to Momentum. Me and my wife sat right here, and um, at, around this time, I don't remember if it was before or after, because of my nose, I stopped doing cocaine, and then almost immediately after, somebody introduced me to crack cocaine, and I became a crack addict, bad. Uh, in the synopsis of that, in the next year and a half after that, I lost everything. Mm -hmm. I lost everything. I went to jail three times, um, everything, divorced. But in the midst of that, me and her, we tried to make it work. And we came here. Nobody, at this point, nobody knew what was going on in my life, except for me and the people at the bars that I was hanging out with. Um, first time here, and, and Ross is up here, and he, he calls me out. He says, God's got, God, you know, he, and he brings the men, and they pray for me, and I began to weep. I was just, I was broken because I wanted out of it, but I was an addict. I was an addict. I mean, I, before that, I was a successful person. Me and my wife, we, you know, but I was, at this point, I was the worst of the worst or on my way there. 
And these folks, they prayed for me. And a woman comes up and she says, I got a word from God for you. I've never seen this woman before in my life. She says, the Lord wants you to know that you, the, the people that you're with are not your friends. And you are out of options. And I knew that was God. Nobody could know that. From there, my life declined. Um, my wife and I divorced. At some point before the divorce, I came to Ross and I, I confessed unfaithfulness. I confessed my addiction. And he was a mediator between me and my wife. And from that point, it, it declined to, to serious deaths. Now, let me, let me make this point. Um, while I was before, before my first time going to jail, I was full on crack, smoking crack in the hotels. And there's a whole family. You know, just like I said, the bars, there was like an underworld of cocaine. When I started smoking crack cocaine, this hotel that I stayed at all the time, because I had a business. I had a business and I was, you know, successful, this, that, and the other. I would stay there because we lived so far. And I had no idea what was going on. Once I started that, it was, there was a whole underworld. I mean, people, they were always around me. I could go there now. We could go anywhere. I could take any of you and say, look, this is what's going on over here. I was blind to it before for years. I had that business for five years. And once that happened, I mean, people doing heroin, methamphetamines, uh, you know, pimps, uh, killers. It was that life. It was what you would call the life and what you in your mind probably think, oh, the worst of the worst. But these people are people and they are desperate. They want out. I wanted out. Before I went to jail the first time, I started to, I was starting to get to know what was going on. I was like, man, these people, they all have felonies. They can't get good jobs. Yeah, they're in a rut. If they quit doing heroin, they get sick. It's a terrible sickness that, I mean, they're afraid of. So it's like they're rut. How do you get them out? And I saw this vision of a program that helps people get out of that. It helps them start businesses. I, I remember where I was and how it, how it came about. Fast forward, then I started going to jail. The second time I went to jail, the Lord was pulling on my heart. I had been away from him for three years. I rededicated my life, and he began to speak to me. He said, abide in me. So I began to buy just like I was. I was not the person I used to be. I was steeped in the street that I'd been in. But I abided just as I was. And I trusted that I, if I would just abide with him, despite my weaknesses, that, that he would do. And he did. And then after that is the first time I actually went to a program like what I saw in that vision. I didn't even, I'd never heard of one like that until then. So I went to this program and the Lord, one day he spoke to me. Like one of the gentlemen said, you know what? He's like the most I've ever heard the Lord speak to me. This is one of the, the strongest times. And he's spoken to me a vision of doing a program. You know, he gave me specifics and I wept because it included things I've always wanted to do. It included the experience that I just came out of. Now you have to understand, I, my, I was a pariah to my church family, to my wife, to my kids. And God was showing me, I have a purpose for what happened in your life. All things work together for the good, for those who love God are called according to his purpose. So, from that, I was clean for about 80 days, and then I relapsed. And that went on for a few, and by this time, I'm living in my car at Walmart with uh, stealing food, stealing tuna, just to survive. And there's the court case coming up and all these things. My son was about to, this was October, my son was about to get married in November 3rd, and I was supposed to go and do, give a, a urinalysis for the judge for the plea deal for the two felonies that I had hanging. And she was giving me a last time. I had failed twice, and this was the last time. She's like, this is the third time. And um, that was supposed to be on October 30th, my birthday, if anybody wants to remember that. I like, I like colognes and fine uh, cheese. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> But uh, that was 30th. October 26th, uh, I, I relapsed a couple days before. I met up with a friend, and uh, I was actually clean. I, I was trying to stay clean for that. I was actually clean, and I went to this place, and everybody was using. And I was clean for a day, and then the next day I relapsed. Two days later, I went to jail again on the 26th. Mind you, my son was going to get married November 3rd, my first child getting married. So here I am. I'm in jail. 
and I'm going to miss my son's wedding. And um, uh, not yet, not yet, almost, I promise. <laughs> uh, I'm, in my, I'm there, and I'm, um, I'm going to miss my son's wedding. I'm in deep despair, and I was just like going to give up completely and go all the way to the other side. And the Lord said, no, that's not it. So I went outside to the day room. And I started watching TV, and there's a, a news story came up, and it said SWAT standoff on Arcos. Turns out, um, the place where I relapsed, uh, a backstory, there was a guy there, and we kind of had a rift going because there was a friend of mine. There was some problems going on, and I was preparing myself to face up to this guy because he was about that life is what they call He was about that life is what they say. You know, and I knew this wasn't just going to be a nuck. Like back in our day, you know, you throw nucks. It's not like that now. So... Turns out, I look up there, and it says SWAT standoff. That was the house that I was in. And God said to me, if you, if I didn't, because I was in despair. I was like, what am I going to do? You know, God, I've ruined everything, my kids, my family, my, my friends. And he said, if you were there, you would have died. So God delivered me from death, and that was when I made a decision. And from then, I've been sober. That's been almost three years. October, it'll be three years. Clean and sober. Thank you. But, you know, when I was in, in jail, remember, God said, abide. So I went back to abiding. I started listening to uh, or started reading Proverbs every day. Today's the, the sixth, fifth, sixth, fifth. Today's the fifth, Proverbs five. There's 31 of them and 31 days in the month. So I started doing that in jail. A friend of mine, uh, she turned me on to it. Actually, the friend that was in there, that SWAT standoff, that friend that I was with, got, got uh, taken hostage at gunpoint. And um, fast forward, while I was there, and I'll, I'll wrap it up, that while I was there, God was working in me. I read, I read the word. I read, uh, I read a couple of books that really changed some things in me. So I wrote, wrote out a life plan. Um, anybody? You got that picture? So this is my life plan. Uh, because in that book, it, it, it taught me. And that's not, that's not a, a, a... My wife was very regimented and I was a dreamer so for me in that book to read and learn you know write things down set goals it, it was it shored up a part of me that I that I didn't come natural so I wrote out my life plan and um on there there is um there's parts about what God spoke to me at that second time or when I came out that home or that that program and there's also there's one that says um right above the 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 fold. It says, spend quality time with Sarah and Jordan. That's my kids. That's my kids. Uh, either live in proximity, a vacation place, or perhaps be involved in business together. Go to the, go to the next slide. I just wanted y'all to see that because it's an inmate request form. You don't get paper in jail. <laughs> so I was in jail and I did this, uh, which my court date, I got released. I was mandated to a sober living like the program that I was talking about. I did that, and God blessed me through that. I was abiding in him. His next word for me was routine. So I began to, a routine of seeking him, seeking his will, getting in his word. That was his, he spoke to my heart, routine. First it was abide, then it was routine. So I started working towards that goal. I started working towards that goal, doing whatever I had. And God miraculously, I wish I had the, the time to give you details, but he miraculously opened doors throughout this whole thing. It's an amazing story. But um, about the fall... Maybe a year later, I, you know, God had worked in me, and um, my son calls me, and he says, Dad, I mean, I've been talking about this vision. I've been talking about this vision. He says, Dad, I want to do this with you. So my son calls me and says, I want to be in business with you, which is on that list. It was on that list. Um, and then, miraculously, all these things fell into place, found a house, bought the house, remodeled the house, um, and started the program. And actually, it I didn't even have, I, I, didn't ad, I haven't advertised anything. While that was going on, um, people started coming just out of the blue. And I was like giving them jobs. It's here, you know, and we remodeled it. And that's, that's been since February. It's called The Way Home. Mm -hmm. And um, what we do there is kind of like what God did with me. We, we teach people to develop a routine uh, that leads to a, a changed, purpose-driven life. You know, it's Christian-led. You know, I've got a house manager um, who actually was the person that was my friend that was, uh, that was um, held hostage. And, uh, you know, she was out there, but she was a believer. 
And she came back to the Lord. And now, Jenna and Ben, would y'all stand up for me, please? These, these guys have become some of my closest friends. Every morning we get up, we're in the word, we're seeking his, we're seeking his face, we're leading people, people are coming in. Some, most of them are in recovery. I mean, we've seen alcoholics, uh, meth addicts, uh, heroin addicts, people with, with no, no addiction, just anger problems. We, we've come in, and you know what, though we don't force Jesus on them, they see our life, we share the Lord, but we teach them success principles so that, you know what, when you come to this place, you don't, don't have to go back. Because usually I take people that have some recovery in them, but a lot of people relapse like I did. It's like, you know what, you have to look forward, get a vision for your life, and learn these principles, and we'll help you succeed. So now, that's, that's what we do. So all, God works all things together for the good. That is, he, he, he took what the enemy meant for evil. And he turned it for good. Amen. And you know what? If anybody's in that place, if anybody's in that place, you know what? God's got a plan. Uh, I'll, I'll end it with this, saying this. The people of God, and I, I hope I, I'd like your opinion on this one day. The, I, I see when the people of God were delivered out of Egypt. You know, God did a miracle and got them through the Red Sea. But then they were in the wilderness. You know what? It, he was leading them to a land overflowing with milk and honey, the promised land. You know, I feel like I'm in that promised land. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not perfect, but they, were in disobedience, went around and around for 40 years, which what should have been a two-week journey. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think God has that for every single one of us. He has a purpose for each one of us in our life. He created us for that. And by abiding in him and obeying, we get to that place. And it, it's the adventure. Mm -hmm. To me, I feel like the land overflowing with milk and, milk and honey is the adventure. It's where you're hearing God's voice, you're seeing him open up doors, and that's what I've seen in my life. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for what God has done. It was terrible, and it's wonderful. Amen. Amen. Give God some praise. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're here this morning, thank you, Philippe. Go ahead. If you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know, I've had setbacks in my life because I caused them. You're right, you, you have. I can remember having that prophetic word for Philippe. That lady had a prophetic word for him that day, and Philippe didn't respond and, and went down deeper down the rabbit hole. But thank God when he was ready to turn his heart, God just restored him. It's not you, I, like I said, it's not your place to get you out. He'll get you out, all right? But I'm just saying to you that, that God has that adventure of victory for you in your life. And so if you're here today and you're saying, man, I've messed it all up, Ross. There's nothing I, I'll never be able to walk in what God wants for me. That's a lie from the enemy. Amen. And so, Philippe, thanks for giving us that testimony and letting us understand that. And so as we close this series, I just want, if, if, you're, if you're here this morning and in your heart, you're like, God, I know you have something for me. Raise your hand. Anybody in this room, I know he's calling me something. I know he's leading me somewhere. I know he's challenging me on something. I know he's, just raise your hand. I want to close this series in prayer today. And I want to say, as the scripture says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. God saw you. In your book, it was written all those days. They were formed from me. God has a plan for you. When as yet there was none of them. You may not understand where you're headed, but just respond to the invitation to the adventure he has for you and watch out. Amen. Jesus, right now, for our friends that are sensing your calling in their life, I ask, Lord God, that you would give them courage to respond in raw faith to the adventure you're calling them to, the adventure that they have been uniquely created for in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.